Hi, welcome to Walking on the Borderline. This episode will provide you with an overview of Borderline Personality Disorder, also known as BPD. It's a cluster B disorder characterized by strong emotional responses, unstable interpersonal relationships, and distorted sense of self. The, the episode discusses the core signs and symptoms of borderline factors contributing to its development, its impact on individuals' lives, comorbid disorders associated with borderline, and treatment options including medication and psychotherapy. So let's get right into it. The, co the core signs of borderline. To meet the DSM-5 criteria for borderline, at least five of the following features need to be present across various contexts. First one is fear of abandonment. So people with borderline are afraid that their loved ones or people in general are just going to abandon them. And this could be either real or or perceived abandonment, but they fear the sense of abandonment. And don't worry, in next few podcasts, we'll take each of these symptoms and go right deep into them. Okay, so number two is unstable relationships. A lot of people with borderline have trouble keeping relationships um, yeah, they have trouble keeping relationships. They're not very, their relationships, if they do have them, are very rocky. And, um, yeah, so we'll go into that again, like I said, at, in another time. Um, so this is, the third one is disturbed sense of self or of uh, identity. So they don't really know who they are all the time. And I'm not talking about like name. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like, you know, they don't know who they are, but they don't know who they are. They, I know that sounds the same, but it's different. Um, the disturbed sense of identity is they all change their appearance or even their name sometimes. Just, you know, it's like, I'm Jack today, I'm John tomorrow, and um, maybe today is, is big person borderline, but then tomorrow will be baby borderline. And they'll act like, they'll actually take the the um, the personality of a little child, and that has been known to happen, and it, but it's very different from um, dissociative identity disorder, which uh, is something totally different. Maybe I'll do another podcast on that another time. Um, impulsivity, impulsivity, it's very, very, very real with people with borderline. We're very impulsive. We do things without thinking, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. 
Um, you don't want to give someone with impulsivity issues a credit card with a high credit limit because if they can spend it, they'll spend it. Um, yeah, so impulsivity, they can't say no. And that leads to drug addiction and alcoholism and all that. Because once they get one little taste of it, they go all in. Number five is suicidal ideations. This is the, this is the dangerous one because um, they have suicidal, we have suicidal ideations. And we, the way we, the way it's done is uh, it kind of melds into the fear of abandonment. Our suicidal ideations will think, you know, we don't deserve to live and, you know, I don't want to live anymore. And uh, some people actually hear voices that tell them that they are not worth the, the space on earth. So they'll start to take pills or cut themselves. While they're doing this, they will phone or contact a loved one or a friend and say, look, um, I'm just telling you that I'm doing this. I'm going to cut myself or I'm going to uh, take the pills. Then that person runs to their side and they're not abandoned anymore. So, but the suicidal ideations, I mean, they could, some people have, the reason why the borderline has one of the highest death rates in mental illness is because people try to make suicide attempts, but not with the intent of dying. And they'll accidentally die, they'll accidentally take too many pills or they'll accidentally hang themselves. So yeah, suicidal ideations is one of the, um, it's the fifth thing. And I'll, I'll go deeper into that again. Emotional dis dysregulation, emotional dysregulation. So we can't regulate our emotions like neurotypical people do. Um, when we feel happy, we feel overjoyed. When we feel sad, we feel miserable. And it's 10 times what you feel. Um, that leads to um, number eight. So we'll cover this in number eight also. But emotional dysregulation, we need stuff. Uh, for instance, I ha I purposely use this shampoo on my hair that makes my hair smell nice. So when I feel emotional, I just sniff my hair or I'll sniff my sweater. I put, you know, fabric Febreze on it and I sniff my sweater. Um, I have certain things that I, that just make me feel grounded and emotional dysregulation, we need to feel grounded with it. And that brings us to a state where we can practice mindfulness 
and mindfulness is very important with borderline. Okay, so feeling of emptiness. So feelings of emptiness. They feel like they're empty, but not physically empty. But they feel like their soul is empty. They don't have a purpose and they're just empty. There's no, like life is blah and there's, there's nothing in them. And you can tell uh, when a borderline person is empty, you can tell that they're just by the way they they look and they appear. And um, when I have those feelings of emptiness, I like to, what I do is I, the cardigan I wear has a hood on it. The sweater I wear has a hood on it, or usually I'm wearing something with a hood on. And I'll put my hair in front of my eyes and my hood up, and that's my don't fuck with me. Um, look and that's my I feel empty at that time and I just can't take it uh, we need to be filled up with positive reinforcement and not food but we need to be filled up with positive reinforcement and um, yeah and just like told that we're doing you know you're good, you're okay, you know, just reinforce um, our safety. So, feelings of emptiness. We need to, yeah, like, maybe if we have a child, uh, you know, we can, if we, if we had family, we look at the pictures of the families and, you know, so we'll get back to that. Uncontrollable anger. So this is what's known as borderline rage. And borderline rage is uncontrollable anger. Um, myself, when I rage, I don't remember a thing after. I just see the damage that I've done. And I've had a lot of borderline rages. Um, even before I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed pretty late in life. I was diagnosed when I was around 54 and um, 53, 50, actually I think I was 53 when I was diagnosed. So I went my whole life with these rages and I was just labeled an angry child when I was actually borderline. Okay, severe disassociative or stress-related paranoia. So severe disassociation. I don't have severe. I mean, like, that's kind of on a spectrum. Like, are my dissociations severe? Not to the point where they're terribly handicapping. Um, I can still function with them happening, but what happens is I will start, I'll just stare into nothing. And it's not like tuning out. I'll stare into nothing. 
I'll start having tremors and I can see myself doing this. It's like I'm watching a movie or watching a TV show or whatever. I'm standing right there in the room watching me do this. So I kind of step out of my body. When I get stressed, um, sometimes I'll have the paranoia, the stress-related paranoia. Uh, when I was just recently in the hospital, I had paranoia that the doctors were all trying to drug me because I was borderline and they didn't want me to, uh, you know, go all borderline on them. And, you know, the fact that there was a security guard 10 feet away from my room, you know, I, it, it's all paranoia. And I read too much into it. And I made myself believe that, uh, yeah, they were out to get me. And when I, when I then when I used my wise mind, and we'll get into that in the DBT part of the uh, podcast. Um, then we, I realized that it wasn't what I thought it was. Anyways, we'll get back into that. All of these are very fascinating topics to get into. Um, I'm going to see if I can get some people to come on the show and help me with these. Okay, factors contributing to developing borderline. A combination of genetic, so, yeah. Um, borderline is partly genetic, partly environmental and social factors. Um, including stuff like child abuse, including like child, child abuse, including emotional abuse, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, as well as unstable family environment are strongly, that's, uh, that's correlated with, with the uh, disorder. Approximately 70% of patients with borderline have experienced abuse, neglect in the past. Um, <clears throat> at the risk of TMI, I have been the victim of sexual abuse and I grew up in a house with an alcoholic father. So my environment was not good. And I, I probably had the genes when I was born for borderline. Even though I was, uh, yeah. I probably had the genes. Um, yeah. Impact on a border on a borderliner's life. Well, borderline can make completing school 
and maintaining employment very difficult. Um, just because of the dissociation and all that, um, but there's also comorbid um, disorders that go along with borderline. Borderline doesn't travel alone, I can guarantee you that. Um, so individuals with borderline are more likely to engage in risky behavior such as unsafe sex and reckless driving, which can lead them, which can lead to harm. So that brings us up to, that brings in impulsivity, uh, a little bit of emotional de dysregulation and uncontrolled anger. Yeah. Because the unstable relationships was what I just mentioned, the environment. Um, they have unstable relationships because they, you, when you're a child, you learn from your parents, right? So your parents, now I want to remind you that what I'm saying is only facts that I've, I, I know. I am not a doctor and even a doctor can't tell you if you live in this kind of environment, you're going to develop borderline. Not everybody does. There are people who do not have borderline who lived in an alcoholic, with an alcoholic parent and were sexually abused and they don't have borderline. But or there are people who had, you know, a poor upbringing, but still didn't develop borderline. So, um, yeah, so all that making it impossible, or not impossible, but uh, very hard to finish schooling and keeping a job. Individuals with borderline are more likely to engage in risky behaviors. Okay, so we talked about that. Okay, edit this part out. Okay, so some comorbid disorders associated with BPD include mood disorders, anxiety disorders, substance abuse, eating disorders, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, and bipolar disorder. Well, I have everything except the substance abuse. Um, eating disorder? Yeah, I eat... I don't know if it's classified as a disorder. Um, I'm not terribly overweight. Um, I eat, I'm an emotional eater. So if I'm sad, I'm eating, I'll eat anything. Um, I think what they might be referring to here is like anorexia or bul bulimia. 
So um, bipolar, bipolar disorder is very easily confused with uh, borderline because of the spikes. But bipolar, they spike and they stay high. Their manias are for like weeks. Where a borderliner, I can go sad, happy, sad, happy, sad, happy in six times in an hour. And um, I can guarantee you, I'm going to do, I'm going to fluctuate today sometime. I've already fluctuated a few times today. And I'm going to fluctuate some more. Um, anxiety disorders, yes, I have that. Anxiety is very hard when you have borderline. Because I see it as um, the mood disorders, anxiety disorders. So mood disorders, we're talking about like uh, depression, for, for example. But I see that as I do my DBT skills. I calm myself down. But then anxiety comes by again and says, hey, remember me? And then... I'm back on the anxiety trail again. So, um, yeah, so I have depression disorder, chronic depression, anxiety disorders, yes, hyperactivity. And this is one comorbid disorder that is probably to blame for um, borderline people not being able to finish school because of hyperactivity and I tell you it's very it's very hard I have that and when I'm in a meeting um, well I'm sure you can hear my chair creaking okay I have to do that or click a pen and that annoys people so I've just gone to like fiddling the pen in my fingers or I play with my scrunchies or run my fingers through my hairs. So, but I have to be doing something. Okay, so that's all for today's podcast. It was a little longer than the first one. And um, the other one is going to be, the other ones are going to be about this length. We're going to be going through all the characteristics of uh, borderline that I mentioned. And uh, we might even touch on the uh, comorbid uh, disorders. We'll keep those um, around so we can talk about those. But uh, so the next podcast is going to be on the fear of abandonment. Fear of abandonment. So that should be a good one. So for now. Thanks for coming on this walk along the borderline. And just remember, you've got this.